welcome back Hemingway heads to the podcast of legends for book 14 chapter 16 apparently wait are we sure we're up to six i think i might have written that wrong i think we might be up to book i oh, know we are up to 16 my god time's flying Tolstoy reminds us that the superior officers tend to depart from the truth in describing the situation of an army. Do you see this tendency in Berthier's letter? If so, what information would be more truthful for the letter to contain? This chapter contains the line, They all went not knowing themselves where they were going or why. The genius Napoleon knew still less than others, since no one gave him orders. What do you think of this idea and the connection between having orders and knowing what you are doing? FDLP once says, Yikes, the French troops were reduced by 36,000 when only 5,000 were lost to combat. I assume they are mostly deserters, but then, after staggering into Smolensk when they had seen as the, what they had seen as the promised land, the French murdered each other for food. Yeah, murdering each other now. It's amazing how many... How... how Many people can drop out of the army, not during a battle, but from all the other death and hardships and everything that can come along with just being in that army. Kara Kikas says, I think Napoleon's army is used to winning. I don't think Napoleon or his leadership knows what to do with the prospect of complete defeat, especially for that defeat to come not on the battlefield, but as a result of scorched earth popular resistance. And because of that, they look away just like Pierre and others looked away at the death of Karatev. Armies of this size, especially before radios and other fast communication, relied on the effective leadership of captains and other field officers. Their role is to understand the overall orders and apply their experience and expertise to minute-by-minute uh, minute manoeuvres. None of the, their orders or experience touched on survival under these conditions and disbanded Coordinating some kind of survival plan among the different companies would have also have been a foreign idea. Alright, quick one tonight. I'm now going to read you chapter 17, which goes exactly like this. The movements of the Russian and French armies during the campaign from Moscow back to the Neiman were like those in a game of Russian blind man's buff in which two players are blindfolded and one of them occasionally rings a little bell to inform the catcher of his whereabouts. First he rings the bell fearlessly, but when he gets into a tight place he runs away as quietly as he can, and often, thinking to escape, runs straight into his opponent's arms. At first, while they were still moving along the Kaluga road, Napoleon's armies made their presence known. But later, when they reached the Smolensk road, they ran holding their the, the clapper of their bell tight and often thinking they were escaping ran right into the Russians owing to the rapidity of the French flight and the Russian pursuit and the consequent exhaustion of the horses the chief means of approximately ascertaining the enemy's position by cavalry scouting was not available besides as a result of the frequent and rapid change of position by each army even what information was obtained could not be delivered in time if news was received one day that the enemy had been in a certain position the day before, by the third day when something could have been done, that army was already two days' march farther on and in quite another position. One 
army fled and the other pursued. Beyond Smolensk, there were several different roads available for the French, and one would have thought that during their stay of four days they might have learned where the enemy was, might have arranged some more advantageous plan and taken something new. But after a four days halt, the mob, with no manoeuvres or plans, again began running along the beaten track, neither to the right nor to the left, but along the old, the worst road, through Krasnoe and Orsha. Expecting the enemy from behind and not in front, the French separated in their flight and spread out over a distance of 24 hours. In front of them all fled the enemy, sorry, in front of them all fled the emperor, then the kings, then the dukes, the Russian army expecting Napoleon to take the road to the right beyond the Dnieper, which was the only reasonable thing for him to do, themselves turned to the right and came out onto the high road at Krasnoe. And here, as in a game of blind man's buff, the French ran into our vanguard. Seeing their enemy unexpectedly, the French fell into confusion and stopped short from the sudden fright, but then they resumed their flight, abandoning their comrades who were further behind. Then for three days, separate Portions of the French army, first Murats, the vice kings, then Devours, and then Anais, ran as it were the gauntlet of the Russian army. They abandoned one another, abandoned all their heavy baggage, their artillery, and half their men, and fled, getting past the Russians by night by making semicircles to the right. Ney, who came last, had been busying himself blowing up the walls of Smolensk, which were in nobody's way, because despite the unfortunate plight of the French, or because of it, they wished to punish the floor against which they had hurt themselves. Ney, who had had a corps of 10,000 men, reached Napoleon at Orsha, with only 1,000 men left, having abandoned all the rest and all his cannon, and having crossed the Dnieper at night by stealth at a wooden spot. From Orsha they fled farther along the road to Vilna, still playing at Blind Man's Buff with the pursuing army. At the Berezina they again became disorganised, many were drowned, and many surrendered, but those who got across the river fled farther. The Supreme Chief donned a fur coat, and having seated himself in a sleigh, galloped on alone, abandoning his companions. The others who could do so drove away too, leaving those who could not to surrender or die. Alright, there we go. That's a chapter for you. Thank you very much for listening. I'll see you tomorrow.